correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we're here to talk about RPGs, but before we do that, we need to talk about a podcast for the week. And I think... I think, just a hunch, but I think that podcast for the week should be the Aegis podcast. Ah, yes, the Aegis podcast, your one stop for uh, everything related to the adventure game engine. And yes, they do spell Aegis, A-G-E-I-S, and that is exactly what they they talk about there. They talk about uh, the age system from Green Ronin. Ren and uh, the whole crew there are really, really nice people. You heard Ren on our show. I don't remember exactly a couple months back, I believe, but uh, they do a great job talking about all things related to that. And uh, at least as we record, the, their most recent episode was talking about the uh, the modern age rule book for the system. So uh, if, if you're interested in that, go check that out and uh, I'll link that. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes. So it'll be easy to find that way. Yeah. So I've been playing a little bit of D&D again. Mm-hmm. And I have been encouraging my players to absolutely min-max their characters. Mm-hmm. Just so that we can play the most broken D&D possible. Okay. But I think I might have been telling them all the wrong things so that they're playing the most broken D&D possible in the wrong way. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing D&D or any game that way. but. Something that came to mind, and I, it, you know, like a lot of these episodes, right? You know, I mean, yes, I do the editing, so I listen to it all two or three times, probably in total, before everyone else hears it, and then I usually listen to it again once it's finished and out on the air. And so I end up thinking a lot about why did I say this? You know, oh wait, I didn't understand that that way the first time, so on and so forth. And one thing I kind of realized through some of the conversations we had over these, you know, last five, six episodes talking about horror games and so forth is that one of the reasons that I enjoy playing that type of game is because for me, it's lower pressure. And what I mean by that is that specifically, and and this really, I think Ken Height mentioned this almost, you know, to the word is that horror gaming, there's sort of this permission that's sort of explicit in, in playing the games to play what's a lot of times referred to as suboptimally or just to do the thing that seems to fit the story, the narrative, the situation, as opposed to the thing that is the most advantageous, you know, the best numerically. And I think in, in, in for me, what that does is that says, okay, I don't have to know the game as well as everybody else. I don't have to go, well, if I'd have done it this way, I could have got two more points of damage out of that attack, whatever. I can just do whatever seems like the the appropriate idea at the time, and no one questions that. No one goes, well, you could have done this, this, and this to do it better. 
Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, I kid about what I was saying at the beginning. I wouldn't lead my players astray. If they wanted to min-max their characters, they can absolutely do that. But I think when it comes to specifically horror games, I agree with you that you, you don't necessarily want or need to be the most optimal character possible. In more heroic games, maybe. That is something that heroic heroic or or more um yeah more i'll just say heroic more like styles of like D D or or your your where you're playing the heroes of the adventure you want to have you know you're, you're aiming to have a character optimized now that doesn't mean there shouldn't be flaws but that means that you are more aiming towards having a character optimized but playing suboptimally is a good time and I think some players are terrified of that. And and so there are two sides to this coin. And there's players playing suboptimally. And there's another side of it that I'll get into maybe later on if we have some time to talk about it. But players playing suboptimal characters that have flaws, that have blind sides, that are not perfect at what they do, is, in my opinion, more fun. I tend to play suboptimal characters. I I tend to lean right into that trope or lean into that style because I don't want I don't want my character to be the guy that everyone relies on. I don't want them to be like, "Oh, well you're an expert at your job." Am I? It's like you played you ran the Cyberpunk 2020 one shot where mm-hmm. I played a suit, I played a corp that wanted to be a solo. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was terrible at it. He, he was awful at being a solo because he was a corp. Like, this guy's a pencil pusher. What is he doing with a gun in his hand? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We just wrapped up a fantastic Genesis game, like first part of our campaign, that, you know, my character just sort of bumbled his way through the game. Like, he got good at certain things, but there were a lot of things that he was not good at, like social cues. <laughs> <laughs> well... Yeah, well, my character in that game was really good at some things, but not very good at other things. And yeah, that was to a certain point. And the things he was good at were not, you know, none of it was combat related. Of course, we didn't have much combat in that game either. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you, you know, it doesn't mean that you played that character wrong in any way. You, we all walked away feeling satisfied at the end of that campaign. And I'm, Honestly, I would love to go back and and pick that up and, you know, whenever whenever we can or whenever we're ready to go back and, you know, I'll grab that character in a heartbeat and maybe we go back, we age him 5 years. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. You know, what what does those what do those characters all look like 5, 10, 15 years older? <laughs> <laughs> but that's a side that's just how I like playing characters that actually age. Um no, and and the idea of playing a character that is not perfectly optimized is well, it's it's daunting to some people. Some people really don't like the idea of not playing a perfectly optimized character. I can understand that. We both have a, a mutual that doesn't like to play suboptimal characters, and it bothers him when things aren't like just so. Yeah. Well, and, and that's like, yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say, and and I don't mean to say if if that's how you and your table like to play, 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think at least at this point in my gaming career, to me, that's, that's not role playing for me. Not saying that I don't have that mode that I can't slip into that, but that's not the experience that I'm actually looking for. I completely agree with you. I, um, aside from, and I'll say this, aside from supers gaming, if we're playing a supers game, which I'm sure our audience knows, we were both sort of like, I I don't understand it. And then after having played a supers game, now I understand. Yes. But if we're playing a supers game where you're playing a character that's supposed to be just you know, whether you're a speedster or a Superman type or whatever, you are the best at what you do. That's fun. But I, I also want to play a game where you're sidekicks and you're not the best at what you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think the thing is with the, with supers gaming, I'm going to say for the most part, and I think this kind of was, was brought out when we played, uh, mutants and masterminds there that everyone got to hear. Um, I think you, you do want to emphasize the strengths of your superhero, right? Right. But I think it's also where superheroes in the comic book context are most often very over the top, very whatever. And so there's a different level of where like, yeah, you do go for the gonzo thing, the big splash page, you know, whatever. But I don't know. Well, I think some of it is also... In horror gaming, it's on the player. Okay, so I'll, um, I'm sorry, my brain's a little scattershot, but let me draw this conclusion. In horror gaming, it's it's completely the player and the character playing into the weakness of that character. Mm-hmm. In supers gaming, it's the GM playing into the weakness of the character slash party. So the enemies that you're gonna send at like. Lex Luthor is the perfect foil for Superman because Superman is this like valiant boy scout. And who's the perfect foil for that other than a ruthless businessman who will do anything to win. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the Joker is the perfect foil to Batman because Batman's all about justice and the Joker is all about chaos. It's, it's that idea of it's in supers gaming, the flaws of those characters and and the flaws of, just the flaws of those characters is played on by the gm rather than the players extenuating their flaws whereas like you would see in a horror game if a player has if if a character has a fear of say a character's claustrophobic okay a GM can play into that, but the player's going to do more as far as saying and, and, and implying, man, I really don't like this place. I don't, I don't, I can't deal with this. You know what I mean? Like the player fear, the character fear comes in more from the player side in a horror game versus the versus a supers game. And I know that's just drawing a conclusion between those two, but it's both examples of flaws in characters. No, I, I I get what you're saying though. In in that, so to speak, Lex Luthor, Superman can't overcome Lex Luthor with the things he's actually super at, right? You know, and and Batman being you know logical and and whatever doesn't deal well with an insane person or 
however you want to define the Joker, like you said, chaos. And I think right. what you're you're pointing out there with like the you know the claustrophobic word, that's also a GM giving you an opportunity if you're a player to role play this flaw, which again for me anyway, sometimes is as much fun as as anything else is playing up those flaws and those quirks. Oh yeah. Without it being, I mean, well, again, to go back to the, the Genesis game, we were just talking about the, the thing where I decided that because my character had largely worked on like mining colonies and so forth, that he probably was kind of scared of large bodies of water. And so we're at this like micro resort type thing and they have a lazy river and he's like completely freaked out that your character just went and jumped in it and was floating around it. Mm hmm. We had fun with that little vignette, whatever. Yeah, but it, it it was something. It was a character flaw that you know could absolutely you play into that, or you know, basically forcing role play. Yeah, and, and now that was just something I literally made up on the spot, and I hadn't written it down, so it wasn't like the GM did it on purpose. But right, still, my whole character flaw was that he was he had been on the run. My character had been on the run for a long time. And so he was always itchy, twitchy, and wanting to get out of there. You know, I can't stay here. I, we've been here too long. You know, I'm starting to get uncomfortable with how long we've been standing in this spot because somebody might see me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we and, went off down a little bit of a tangent there, didn't we? Mm, not really. Okay. It just, my brain got lost. Yeah. My, <laughs> I was had that problem as I was talking in, like, my last little tangent, but... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's it's me and Steve talk RPGs. We uh, 90% is talk, 10% is RPGs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. But yeah, and so like but I think, you know, like I said when when you say suboptimal, it doesn't necessarily mean comedic. It doesn't mean, you know, goofy. It can be, but I think it's it's recognizing, and I think this is also ties into some of those new player fears, right? Because if you're a table that is into optimized play or, you know, making the most out of your every turn in combat, whatever, now the system mastery discrepancy really shows where if you're playing, again, suboptimally is kind of the buzzword for it, but just playing a more... I don't know if narrative is even the right word, but just kind of reacting and, and, and trying to think more in character as opposed to thinking about the mechanics of the game. I think that's less pressure on new players because they aren't going, well, they're going to tell me that I did this the wrong way or that the wrong way or, or whatever. You know, they just go, oh, we're just doing what we think is the good idea in the moment. And so they just kind of, well, I can do that. You know what I mean? No, I understand completely. And and that's why over the time of this podcast, you've heard some of my progression in gaming and I'll just elaborate a little bit on it. So I have come around a lot on narrative rules, light games. I used to be, I wouldn't say apprehensive. I, I like rules, light games, but I was more of a, I wanted more simulationist. I wanted more. I wanted more simulationist. I wanted more heavier games, stuff that was maybe a little bit on the crunchy side because I, I just was always sort of on that like mechanics side. I was always like interested in the game's mechanics. 
as we've talked over this past year and as I've thought about my gameplay style and how I've evolved as a player, I've really come around on narrative games where you're you're telling a story, you're not worried so much about what's happening mechanically, you're just you and the other players are, are talking it through, you're telling a story, maybe you're rolling dice to extenuate a situation, right? But you're not doing this, you're not doing this constant of like role perception. What do I find? Well, you know what I mean? You're you're more of I open the door and what do I see? And people go, well, you see this, 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 and this. All right, cool. I didn't need to roll dice for that. <laughs> you know, I didn't need to roll dice unless I'm searching for something. Um, mm-hmm. And I could fail catastrophically. And this is the one thing that GM Chris, and we've talked about this in the past, but again, I'll go back to this. I've really taken to the idea of not rolling dice unless, unless you can justify a major narrative reason for it so if the success on the dice or the failure on the dice would change the narrative in a drastic way and that doesn't mean like that doesn't mean in a drastic way doesn't mean like oh it changes the world completely no it means that like if you miss a key item in a room because you had to perceive it and that means that you don't know that you're going to be ambushed by enemies coming up then it means that you have a surprise combat rather than, you know, rather than knowing going into it. Oh, man, this is out of place. We're coming into a combat. You know, there's enemies up ahead. And I lost my train of thought. Well, no, I think I think you're right, though. I think it's, you know, the way I think I've heard it described is don't roll unless failure is interesting. You know, don't have them roll to open the door just to see if they can open the door. Okay. So you got me back on track. And so I agree with that, except it's not just failure is interesting. Don't roll unless a result is interesting one way or the other. Failure implies that, oh, well they failed and they, you know, whatever happens, but a success should also be, also be very interesting to the players. So if, if, if you're going to have something catastrophically bad happen, you should, at the inverse, have something amazingly good happen. It Well, not amazingly good, but something equally good happen to the players if they roll well. Okay. So just having the negative side is, is in my opinion, yes, okay, that's the starting point. But I think you need to add the opposite inverse on the positive side so that if say we're playing Genesis and I'll just, I'll just throw a little bit of terms around, say we're playing Genesis and I roll terribly. So I have three threats and a despair. Okay. That's an awful roll. And that may mean that I fall down a hole. I lose a limb. I, you know, something bad is going to happen. That's a very bad roll. Right. Whereas the inverse, I roll three success and a triumph means that not only do I know that the that the hole's there, I figure out a way around it for me and the whole party, and I find gold on the other side. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I think see that Genesis is is a little bit of a a special case. I think because the dice provide for those additional axes of resolution 
within the mechanics of the system. Right. But in my brain currently, that's where I'm defaulting to. <laughs> no, I, I get that. But I think you can take that principle Oh yeah, and apply it to any game. In other words, where Oh, let's go to BRP. Let's go to the basic role play system. You know, the more recent versions of BRP has the critical success and critical failures. Mm -hmm. And so you have that same axis of you're looking for a clue on this guy that was a suspected cultist and a critical failure means that you miss the robes in the closet and the Shoggoth is summoned. Okay. But a critical success means that you find his day planner and the robes in the closet and you're able to get to the cult meeting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I, in my mind, I was thinking that, you know, don't be a, where my brain had gone was, you know, don't be afraid to, when you're running the game, have an event that you, you want to happen and your, your player rolls, you know, some sort of critical success or has a very good role on something. And, but don't be afraid to kind of like, you know, add that twist in, well, this good thing happened because of your role, but at the same time, this other thing that's not very good happened. You know, don't think so binary about it. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And I think Genesis, I'm sorry, I know. I, you've heard me harp and rant and rave about Genesis, but I'm going to continue to do it because I think it's a great system. I think Genesis does that really well in the sense that you have where a success can come with bad results and a failure can come with good results in the in the threat and advantage stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Where you have like you you succeed with, you know, you succeed with a despair or you fail with a triumph or or you um you fail with advantage <laughs> like yeah failing with advantage is a is a terrible amazing thing like <laughs> yeah and sometimes it's a little hard to to kind of figure out what that looks like in the story but no i agree genesis is is a really amazing system and i like what it does but yeah. what i'm i'm kind of driving at and, and don't take this the wrong way I, I love genesis but i think that you don't have to restrict yourself to playing that way only with Genesis. No, I completely agree with you. I think maybe that's when maybe a middling result is, yeah, you, you just passed the thing, but you missed some key details again, to go back to BRP, you know, like you're just over the target number. Okay. Yeah. You, you did the thing, um, but you missed some key details. You found the robes, but you didn't find the schedule book that says on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the RB in the uh, Applebee's parking lot, we meet for our our dark, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm setting up this whole cult in my head. It's just a bunch of dorks. I, I can't help it. <laughs> just a bunch of goobers. <laughs> We're going to go get wigs afterwards, but first we're going to like worship Cthulhu and. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it, it but it, it, it is really, it's such a, I don't know. I guess I find it so freeing sometimes to go. 
I don't have to make the statistically best decision all the time. You know, oh, it is freeing. It's it's so nice to be like I I because life is filled with screw ups, and you play RPGs to get away from some of that, and I get that. But at the same time, to escape to escape to a world where you do nothing but everything right, it gets boring. And to have where there are mistakes made and there are consequences for your actions and you know it, it's it's freeing and relaxing and sometimes like games like okay perfect example of this and i'll say this 100 with confidence the perfect example of a game that is freeing because of non-optimal play it's morkborg the world is ending there is nothing you can do about it you can try and make yourself a little bit better before the world ends but you're probably not going to and that game the fun comes from well everything's everything's doomed we're doomed let's have a party you know what i mean yeah and i think that's the perfect game to point to when you're like well you know you you want to talk about suboptimal play well morkborg is built on suboptimal play yeah there's there's no way of building a Morkborg character that is that is optimal. <laughs> well, right. And, and and some people want to call it playing to lose, and I don't think it's playing to lose either. I think it's maybe it's playing in the moment. I think it's playing with a stacked deck. <laughs> well But yeah, I get where you're coming from. Playing in the moment. Playing rather than worrying about win or lose, it's just about what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, because it's, you, I mean, we've all seen the memes about how do you win at D&D. Well, look, let's, that's not, at least the way I want to play, that's not the point. No, for me, win at D&D, just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to steal your idea at some point and, and play in a D&D campaign where just me and the other players take over a town at like fifth level. <laughs> and that's how we win at D&D. What, what do you do? We own this. This is ours. Deal with it. <laughs> well, yeah, I I mean, like, I don't know. It just like, like you said, though, there's there's something about, you know, not trying to be Superman that's more fun. Oh, yeah. I, I, again, I like again, I like to play characters that think they're something they're not. I do. Mm-hmm. I like to play characters that like, like I said, with cyberpunk, he thought he was a solo. He always wanted to be a solo. And now he's been put in charge of this, you know, corporate hit squad. Well, all right, I can be a solo now. And he's terrible at it. And the <laughs> solo makes him look like a fool. And it's great because he's like, oh, I wanted to be the solo. It, and it's it's fun to play those characters that are just, you know, you, you're just playing characters that just aren't these perfect, you know, super soldiers. You're playing characters that are flawed silly goofy i think you know a a lot of fun comes out okay uh we've talked about critical role a lot i'm gonna talk about some critical role okay one of my favorite characters in critical role was grog okay grog is the perfect example of suboptimal play in a way okay yes he was the ideal heavy hitter you know perfect like big guy but he was also not smart in any stretch. However, 
he personally did not think he was not smart. Mm -hmm. He at no point, no point did Travis play Grog in a way that Grog thought he was dumb or lesser. And nobody in that party tried to correct him. They just let him be, right? Mm -hmm. There was a couple times where a couple people were like, no, Grog. But for the most part, he just played a character who, in his mind, he was, you know, a brilliant tactician <laughs> and, mm -hmm. in ways. You know what I mean? The party leader in other ways. And, and it made for, I can tell based on Travis's reaction to playing that character and the audience reaction by hearing it, you can tell that it made for a really fun character just to play. You can make the wrong decision. You can go with, you know, you can steal Percy's guns and that's okay. Um, <laughs> like, you can make the wrong decision and it's okay. Well, and I think some of that too goes to, and I, I, I'm assuming a little bit here, but I believe when they initially started that game, that was basically Travis's introduction to role-playing. Yes, that's they've been pretty open about that. So for him to play the big dumb smash was a low pressure thing for him. Right. But at the same time, he played a very, very rich character. Yeah. Oh yeah. The character. And, and that's, but like to me, most of my favorite things I remember about Grog weren't, you know, him smashing something in a fight. No, it's, they were like you talked about the time where he stole Percy's glasses and then is trying to negotiate with Percy to get the to <laughs> to get something else of Percy's so that he could give Percy back his glasses. Right. Any of the times that they were in a town and the shenanigans that would go around with Grog and um um uh Scanlan? Scanlan, yeah. Or, you know, when when he had Craven Edge and mm -hmm. <laughs> all of that shenanigans. Like those are the best bits. It's not the part where he's an effective fighting monster. That's not the fun stuff. And see, that's the thing again for me when I, I'll go off on another tangent. It's my podcast. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the thing for me I enjoy most about Critical Role is not listening to their combat. I actually tend to skip through the combat. I listen to the beginning of it. I hear who the enemy is. And then I sort of skip to the end to see what the situation is. And... I'd much rather hear the role play. I'd much rather hear the travel. I'd rather hear the we're in a town and talking to the gunpowder dealer who's nuts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I that's the stuff that interests me. And and as a role player, as I've gotten sort of played more games and gotten to a point, that's where I'm I'm at is that like in my life, combat isn't as important. But, you know, at the same time, role play is three times more important than combat was. Yeah. When I was younger, I loved combat. I, oh, combat was my favorite part because then I could be like, oh, I can show off how much of a tactician on the field I am. And and now as I've gotten older, I'm like, well, that's fun. And it's fun to show off and be like, look what I can do. But at the same time, it's more fun to be like, I can solve this situation without actually having to resort to actual violence. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if I could, you know, chime in here a little bit. I think there's two two points here. One, like you said, yeah, it's fun to show off how well you did thing, whatever. But there's also the element of that that it's only cool until someone does it just a little bit better. And then you're like, well, darn. Yeah. Which 
is going to happen just because of be it dice, someone else knows the game engine better than you, whatever. But I kind of feel a lot like, like you said, you know, earlier long in, in my gaming career, I liked crunchier, more simulationist, more, there's a rule for this. There's a rule for that. There's blah, blah, blah. You know, over the past year, etc. I've I have come around to more of the kind of the the rules light, more narrative most of the time. It's just like part of it is one, you know, the time I get to spend playing games isn't nearly as much as I'd like it to be. And so I would much rather spend that time doing something that I find enjoyable, like describing a scene or or being part of, you know, making this scene of this entertaining stuff happening as opposed to hang on, let me check the rule book and, and see what this is. Okay. It says this. So that means we this way. And then it, you know, like I said, that's, that's not where my enjoyment comes from at this point. I'm not saying that that's a wrong way for people to play, but I think it it's something that, you know, I've become more fully aware of it. And I think it's something that anytime I'm involved in a session zero, I'm going to try to make a point to bring that up, especially if I'm the GM and say, Hey, this is the way I would like to play this game. You know, how do the rest of you as players feel about this so that we are all at the end of the evening after we've sat around and played, we all feel at least somewhat fulfilled. Right. And I'll say there aren't the, to say there isn't a wrong way to play is, is a bit of an understatement there. There isn't a wrong way to play, but at the same time, if you're, if you're, and I'll just make a point here, if you're making the other players at the table uncomfortable consistently and on purpose, I, I don't think you're playing the game the right way. That's fair. But other than that, as long as you're not doing that, there is no wrong way to play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How you enjoy playing, as long as you're not doing, like I said, that previous thing, you are not playing the game wrong. Just just a fact of the matter is, I don't care for 5th edition uh, hacks to play basically other genres other than D&D. But if you like doing that, that's cool. Hey, um, I don't care for like super heavy combat games, but if you like heavy combat, if you like super crunchy games, if you like Shadowrun, that's fine. Hey, that's cool. Actually, I want to talk to you. Why do you like Shadowrun? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that's a, it, in my opinion, I think we need to have more conversations with people that like games that we don't like. Are you saying we as in like on the podcast or just we as in gamers? The, the royal we. We, we as in gamers. <laughs> like <laughs> Just checking, that's all. No, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, But no, I'm saying that like as gamers, we need to have a conversation. Like like I said, I've read Shadowrun a couple times. I, I don't, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm not going to say it's, you know, but it's not my cup of tea. But I'd love to talk to somebody who's like, yeah, Shadowrun's fantastic. Like the specifically the mechanics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the the game itself. I understand the appeal of of fantasy sci-fi and I understand the depth and richness of that world. I'm talking more of like on a mechanics level of being like, oh, Shadowrun's fantastic because this, this, that and the other. Okay, cool. I want to talk to you because I want to know why, you know, I want to know what you think, you know, why you think that way. I want to get 
you know, pick your brain essentially. And I think gamers need to open their horizons to game styles. They think they don't like, or they just genuinely don't like, and then, you know, sort of to talk about the point of the podcast, like that is the point of this show in, in general is to talk to everybody and anybody who, you know, I played horror games, but I didn't know a lot about horror games. This last month of of dark and grim and horror, we had a whole master class by Ken Height. We just dropped the Chris Spivey episode. Mm-hmm. You know, talking to Chris Spivey and that that was just another master class. It, it was like just taking class with these people who are who know so much more than than I do. I've learned so much stuff from. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well. I don't- you know, like I said at the top of the show, it's made me think about, you know, what it is that, that I like in games a lot more. And that's kind of where, you know, that's why I brought this up as a, as a topic to maybe talk about today. It's but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's valid to have a conversation with yourself and the other players that you're playing with, or even, you know, if you're starting a new group, have a conversation of, all right, so I want to play a character with these flaws or or I want to play a game where we're not playing optimally. And it's worth having that conversation. It's it's worth having that, you know, saying, hey, I um I don't want to play a game that is like perfectly optimized. I want to play a game where we make mistakes and everything is a little bit wonky. And, you know, I want to play a character that's not ideal and... I think you'll be surprised by the outcome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you have, you got anything else to add to this? I mean, no, I think it's, I think you've said it, you know, it's, it's not going to say that everybody needs to play this way, but I think it's a good thing to give it a try and see what happens. You know, don't, don't always set out to do the statistical best thing, you know, try to, not think about the numbers and just think about the actions, you know, what action makes the most sense, not what has the greatest statistical impact and, and see where that lands your overall experience. Yeah. And I'll say this also try, try stuff once at least before you completely dismiss it. And I know I'm sort of preaching to the choir with our audience because they know, you know, oh, well, other games. Yeah. But even still, it, it w- try games that you aren't in your comfort, like not necessarily anything that would maybe like be triggering or upsetting, but try games that aren't in your comfort zone. You know, if you're if you're comfortable with with cyberpunk games or you're comfortable with fantasy games and you've never really played a, a science fiction game, try it. I, I I was never a science fiction guy, but I, or I no <laughs> try again. I was never a fantasy guy, but I always liked D and D because it let me get that little bit of like role play out of my system. I don't never really cared for fantasy, but I've come around on it because I've been you know exposed to all these cool fantasy games and all this you know this that and the other thing in this hobby. And I mean, don't be afraid to try. Something that even if it's like remotely interesting, try it. Go ahead. What's the worst? You don't like it. That's okay. It's okay to not like a thing and it's okay to like a thing. Like, yeah. Well, if there's anything I've learned, you know, bouncing around assorted gaming communities on the internet, 
there's someone else out there who likes what you like. Yeah, definitely. may take you a while to find them, but they're there. Well, and that's why I say try things that you're not, you know, try things that you're not sure of because that gives, you know, if you like a thing that you're like, oh man, nobody else likes this, but you find a group of people that are willing to at least try it. Mm -hmm. You might have somebody that likes that thing. At worst, you get to play the thing you like. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that that kind of says it all, you know, don't be not telling you to play to lose, but sometimes that's fun too. Yeah. With that, we've gone a crazy tangent and (laughs) let's get into game of the week. All right. Game of the week. Woohoo. Game of the week. Game of the week. You want to go or you want me to go? Oh, I don't care. I got one. Oh, you got. Okay. Well, this is one I've actually, I, I, I clicked it into the wish list quite a long time ago. And uh, just because the name amused me. But interestingly enough, it, it uh, kind of ties into the discussion that we have had this evening. So my game for this week is called Hello, My Name is Death. <laughs> and this is a role-play game that's actually, they use poker mechanics. Um, and you bet souls to influence the ultimate devi- demise of hapless humans. So you're playing these immortal beings interfering with the lives of oblivious mortals. And you, you know, plan, scheme, interfere with your friends' plans, you know, and then just basically collaboratively uh, and then just basically collaboratively create truly bizarre circumstances leading to the poor person in the game's demise and in the end the quote-unquote winner is the person who's reaped the most souls but everyone wins if a good time is had telling a great story so here's the really cool thing about this this game is on sale right now and i don't know how long the sale lasts but here's the good part Right now, the game is on sale for a dollar. Regular price, what, two fifty? When it's not on sale, it's two dollars. <laughs> Regular <laughs> so two fifty. All right, cool. <laughs> it's it's a little eight page game. It's uh, de- since it's a device friendly PDF. Um, it's in PDF. Actually, okay, looks like you get four different PDF files. Uh, you get the device friendly. You get a zine-style PDF for printing on white paper, a zine-style PDF for printing on colored paper, and this is a printable PDF counter sheet, which must be like the counters for counting souls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, it does say, yes, this is a game that deals with topics of, you know, death and involves, you know, defenseless humans being screwed with by supernatural beings. You know, they do recommend playing with an X card or, or you know, some sort of safety tool. But, I mean, come on, for for a buck or two? It just seems fun. Like I said, it's yeah, called that's... Hello, My Name is Death, and it's from um, Rising Phoenix Games, written by Rodney Sloan. That seems cool. So my game of the week is not a game that exists as of yet, but it will. Okay. Um, my game of the week is Cyborg. Uh, this is a Kickstarter currently. It is a cyberpunk future version of Morkborg by the same people. Um, just super cool thing um kickstarter goes live on so it would it'll be live by the time this episode airs um but man it's so cool like morkborg's cool as it sits 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Taking Morkborg and putting it in the future, I'm sold. Like beyond sold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean the the you know, they obviously don't have a whole lot up, but the 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 cover image, you know, they have for the book just it's well and it's the, Morkborg, the, but cyberpunk. And the like one sentence pitch is nano infested doomsday RPG about cybernetic misfits and punks raging against a relentless corporate hell. Come on. Like, come on. I am sold. Like I'm beyond sold. You didn't even have to. I'm surprised that they're kickstarting this. Like, why not? I mean, I guess, but, uh, in my opinion, I, I think this game would have just been sold, especially considering the juggernaut that is Morkborg. Yeah. I mean, that gets into the whole business side of things that we could talk about for hours, but yeah, I don't have the context of the business side, but I just, I, I, I'm buying this at least. Uh huh. So if nobody else buys this, I'm buying this. (laughs) (laughs) I have every intention of, of backing it. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely something that I'm all about. Yeah. I know that. I mean, like. I, because, like, it, in in some ways, it feels like Morkborg is a a cyberpunk take on fantasy, or a very punk take on fantasy. Yeah. And so I'm really curious to see... What, an, what a punk take on cyberpunk is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I want to know, like, I just want to know how dark and gritty it gets. Yeah. Yeah. But... That's my game of the week. With that, do you have anything you else you'd like to add? I don't think so. I think, uh, yeah, I think we've we've chatted and rambled and, and and given people a dose of just you and I for a change. For yeah. well, you know, um, I don't know how long we'll keep doing that because we'd like them to keep listening. But you know, <laughs> don't leave us. <laughs> we'll be back with guests next week. We promise. We, we promise we have guests next week. Don't don't just be like, oh no, it's just the Steves. Okay, bye. Oh <laughs> uh, no. Um with that, we do want to um remind everyone as always, links to everything is in the show notes. Uh Discord links are always in the show notes. Um I will I'm going to update our Facebook to show that the Discord's there as well. Um because I've been getting a lot of questions about Discord on Facebook. You know, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Really, we don't post that much. The only thing that goes up on Facebook is notifications of new episodes. Um, new content coming to TikTok soon. I know oh. I put some content up, but new content coming to TikTok soon. Have you found your chickens yet? Oh, I found my chickens. Okay. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I had a day. And... uh yeah, go over to go over to at um, what is my TikTok at at me and Steve talk RPGs. I think let me double check that. I think it's something like that at me and Steve RPG podcast on TikTok, and you'll see uh, me looking for chickens. Um, but with that, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. 
thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. All the thingies have joined. Woohoo! All the things. All the things. I know some people have said they they do enjoy us just the us episodes. So yeah, I enjoy just the us episodes. But when you 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 can't really pass up when you got people lined up like that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. When you're like, oh man, we can have we can have like a month solid of big name guests. You can't really you can't really be like. Well, we need to squeeze an us episode in now. <laughs> so I have a game <clears throat> that is called Survive This. We die young. <clears throat> and it's a spiritual uh, scene. What's this? This was my game the when you weren't here with um Josh. We did the thing. We did the thing. We did the thing. The episode you missed. <laughs> yep, of course. Of course. I'm sorry. Just that's okay. Uh, try it again. All right. <sighs> My game of the week is going to be Morkboard. That's what it's going to be. I'm just going to suggest Morkboard again. Well, the uh, <laughs> Kickstarter for Cyborg drops. This, Ooh, the this Kickstarter week. for. So my game of the week is the Kickstarter for Cyborg. I, speaking of which, I let me go there because. Um, That'll be out by the time this airs. Cyborg will be out. Or, or the the Kickstarter will be out. Oh, good. Okay, I was worried. I was like, oh man, don't tell me this is going to be out by the time this airs. Uh, no, the Kickstarter goes live. I believe the thirteenth. Okay. I'm going to take me to the Kickstarter, please. Fine.